be That's anything. a bit different than Ratatouille. He was just a food critic. <laughs> well, <laughs> my point like being he's is not that going they, around yeah, killing people. When the French food critic had tied three children up to his head and shot them down towards a canyon. <laughs> Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them, but I'm also okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. And what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. Uh, We're leftists here. So, which means we have all kinds of radical takes, which we've talked about previously on the show. So, what we're going to be doing differently this go-round, it is marked as a special, but we're going to be getting back into some more of that fine, wholesome content that y'all love so much, <laughs> and talking about uh, yet another episode of Veggie Tales. this time for the holiday special. Nova, would you like to get us up to speed on what we're going to be watching? Sure, so I think we already did kind of a brief rundown on the whole VeggieTales concept in the Rack Shack and Benny episode. You know, they're Christian, almost like short films, basically, usually about 30 minutes long or so. And they try to you know, get across a Christian message, but they also try to be appealing, and they work, they're considered really rare and unique among like Christian media properties for the high level of quality and talent that goes into uh, these episodes. Uh, yeah, it's like a I pretty think, big t- amount of content for, or it's like high quality content for people that were like brought up religious and stuff. It's something that's pretty much a staple if you were brought up in a fundamentally religious household. So it, it was essentially the gold standard of, you know, religious content, but kind of made for the what do you call it, the non-religious world? (laughs) Yeah, it was, they were intended to both entertain a Christian audience and also appeal to and draw in a non-Christian audience. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, for an evangelical Christian, that's, you know, it's always be saving, you know, A, always B, B, saving, yes. (laughs) So, so it was for the secular world, that was the word I was looking for, like, so, it it had mainstream secular appeal as well as religious appeal, of course, we we went in all that, but today, and silly song slaps a lot, silly songs always slaps, I, I, I'm honestly surprised, I know Nova made this point during the Rack Shack and Benny episode, but, like, the thing that makes VeggieTales special is the songs don't suck, like, I've heard much, much worse <laughs> song and it, dance in Christian content than my upbringing. I will say, it does suck when you are in the middle of an exam and something like the hairbrush song stuck, starts creeping into your brain. That right, does yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, I feel that for and sure. And then you sing it every time you're looking for a hairbrush. Oh, God. After mm. we watched, we did the Rack Shack and Benny episode, I think I probably sang the bunny song to myself in my head, like... <laughs> Probably 35 times that week. It it was in there, for sure. So, um, what we're going to be looking at today is the Toy Who Saved Christmas episode. Toy it, That Saved Christmas. The Toy That Saved Christmas, yeah. Basically, it was their, you know, every piece of media had the their Christmas special shows that they've yeah. done. They still do it nowadays, but you can imagine. Yeah, this is, this is very much a Charlie Brown Christmas with vegetables. Yeah, right. And specifically catered to an already Christian audience, so <laughs> you can imagine the uh, hilarity that kind of ensues with just the sort of Jesus is the reason of the season sort of thing. They really they really crank it up in this one. The uh, show starts with uh, snowflakes falling down, and Grandpa. I think Grandpa Asparagus, uh, I think he's an asparagus, he might be an onion or something. He kind of looks like an, a green onion. Yeah. I think he actually French is a onion. green onion. I think you're correct about that. Because he's telling a story to, like, a little baby onion, basically. Mm. The old spring onion, huh? Yeah. He's talking about a town that almost didn't get Christmas. Yeah, he was like, they they got Christmas, so the kids were like, they didn't have Christmas? He's like, no, they got Christmas, but they didn't get Christmas. So like, he meant they didn't understand the real meaning of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is, like, really early on we get into kind of the split message that the movie has. Because the movie's got two different messages in it. One is that, you know, uh, 
commercialism and greed are bad things. And the other is that Christmas is important because Jesus uh, came and was born as a baby and then died for our sins. But right. he, if, but he wasn't born. He was born in summer. Okay, I want to hear more about this because okay, I know we're going to get tangential on this, but I know that Athena knows so much more about the actual history of Christmas, and I'm thrilled to get into this because the whole time that I was watching this thing today, I was just like, oh no. Athena's gonna have a field day with that point. Athena's gonna uh, have a field day at that point. <laughs> like it was because it, like they they like I just thought about the paganism and like how this started as like a Yule celebration and stuff. And I remember talking to you about that over Thanksgiving. And so I'm just like <laughs> I'm I'm champing at the bit to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> it's actually a bit more complicated, especially if you're gonna separate like my personal feelings and like the history, because the history is long and sorted because you have as you mentioned you have quote-unquote pagan holiday but there's also like a lot of other things that have cropped up over years that weren't necessarily specific to the holiday but they ended up getting wrapped up in the holiday because it was around the same time frame the history of mistletoe for example i got into that (laughs) one time and that's long and then you have the history of Santa Claus and St. Nicholas, <laughs> which is also so long. many elements. <laughs> Not getting, like, I can't, I can't get into it. That would be a whole episode, me going over the history and how all these things tie right. in together. But the short, the short version of it is there were winter holidays. The Catholic Church was like, hey, I, I believe it was I'm pretty damn sure that's how that went down. And it was mm. like, hey, we need a holiday here. So we're going to say Jesus was born this time, uh, even though it was during the summer. The and church wanted to, like, outshine the the pagan holidays. Like, they wanted to invent their own holiday that they could, like, compete with the secular holidays or whatever. It wasn't right? even competing. It was more like taking... If to my, I did not do research on this this time around, so I know. I <laughs> the, the one time I didn't do a lot of research, I know. But... From my memory, which can be flawed, um, it's more like they wanted to try and take the holidays and be like, oh, look, we do something similar, so you should worship our god instead, uh-huh. right. sort of yep. thing. Basically, the the way that it worked is that the every, um, I think almost every culture worldwide, going way back, you know, has different religious festivals in it and cultural festivals in it that, you know, mark the, the passing of the seasons. And, I mean, that was certainly the case for, you know, ancient Rome and Greece and for Judaism. And, you know, as the early Catholic Church was trying to, you know, broaden its appeal and move into areas of, you know, Europe, uh, they were trying to find any... And this is something that happens anytime you have, you know, one religion come into an area and become, like, the dominant in that area they will co-opt as much as they can of whatever is already there, twist it around however they can in order to increase the popularity of theirs. It is, and this is ironic because of the, you know, anti-commercial message of this show, (laughs) it's a marketing move. Mm -hmm. They're they're advertising and trying to increase the appeal of uh, their religion (laughs) because they're in a competition with the other religions. The irony of that is so palpable, and yeah, that's exactly what the Roman Empire did whenever they assimilated Greek culture. That's why we have, like, the planets are named what they are. The Roman gods were, like, just their version of the Greek gods, because they, you know, they wanted to appeal to those people that were coming into their stuff. So it is kind of funny. So the show is essentially framed around this concept of, we get Mr. Nezer, right? So, well, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Let's open it up here. Grandpa George telling bedtime story. They sing a song in the beginning, which is... You know, not a terrible song. It wasn't my favorite one in the special, but <laughs> it was a decent sounding song, right? So, uh. <laughs> it's stuck in my head still. <laughs> right? So, uh, George delivers this package, right? And he. It's like a fully decorated Christmas tree or something. And there's this TV, like, where he's delivering it. And it's a, it's a commercial with our friend Mr. Nezer from the Rack Shack and Benny special. Well. It's, it's his brother. It's. I thought it was cousin. It oh, might really? Be cousin. Yeah, it's it was relative. cousin. Oh, it says that in the show. I must have missed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They. They. Yeah. They. They say it. Oh, made out like a bandit. Oh, boss, you are very wily. More wily than my brother, Nebby K. You mean the one with the chocolate factory that I used to work for? 
Oh, you are much more wily than him. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, it's the same. It's yeah. What they're doing is because he asked Mr. Lunt how he compares to Nebby K. You had the and Mr. Lunt's like, oh, the guy I used to work for at the chocolate factory. Oh. So yeah, they're basically trying to build a larger uh, VeggieTales cinematic universe here. <laughs> is that biblical? Though? Like, it, was there like a cousin no. of Nebuchadnezzar that like? No, no. I looked it up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did do research on that though. Apparently. What the heck? That's so weird because it's like the same actor, vegetable, right? Like acting as uh-huh. Mister Nezzer. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know why they picked. I don't know why they just didn't. I think it's because they didn't want to have it be like the same somewhat villain <laughs> each time. Right. But they also like it. It was an awful lot of computing time back then. To create a new object. Oh yeah. So I didn't think about that. Which is weird to me because, like I I mentioned previously in the last episode, is like it's not uncommon for the vegetables to have these stock characters that they play. Yeah. So he tends to play the big cucumber fellow. Yeah. Tends to play on that during the Rack Shack and Benny show that that the the VeggieTales format is essentially that these vegetables are actors and it's like Sesame Street or something you know like where Elmo is El- always Elmo, but he in their sketches he plays the monster character or whatever. You know, it's kind of like that. It's hard to explain. And, you but know, it- the, the wild thing is, like, I think that would make sense to all of us if they had just not brought it up at all. But yeah. instead, they specifically call it out and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, he's my relation," because then that opens up a whole new can of worms. Like, uh, wait a minute, if you know, does that mean that like? The asparagus, tomato, and cucumber are, you know, related to the other ones that are right. doing the child labor. I almost wonder if it was just like supposed to be an offhanded throwaway joke. Oh, really? Yeah, it might have been intended humorously. Yeah, it's really, it landed really strangely. I didn't even hear it first of all when I was watching it, so I didn't notice it. But then, you know, that's a really odd thing to like. Oh, I, I thought when I was a kid that landed to... strangely. It, oh, it yeah. landed very strangely. <laughs> it's just a really strange bit of bit to hit your wagon to for a laugh or whatever. But anyway, so <laughs> Mr. Nezer is basically Santa Claus, and he's got like he. There's a commercial. It's like Mr. Nezer Santa Claus, and he's advertising this toy, and the toy is like this. Man, it's the only toy with a fully operational buzzsaw in the hand. <laughs> yeah, like so. That's so weird, right? Because like in that time, kids were like really into action figures and stuff, I guess. And there was like this. Well, I think the whole thing is it's making it's pointing out how toy companies they don't care if the toy is actually safe or not for uh, kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> I, that's a good point. Things man. are a little different now. But I think, anyways. Well, it depends. Well, Chinese but, the 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 lead the lead paint that was coming from like right. all those toys that were made in China, man. That was a big thing when we were kids. Like they sort of just over the toy companies just sort of overlooked that thing, man. Yeah, it's. I think that it's a nod to. Uh, I thought it was actually a, a bigger point in the story from when I was a kid. It, it's not. It's just. I think it's just a a quick nod to that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so like they're they're basically sending the message early on that like companies and, don't care about you; they just care about profit. Like they're trying to say like yeah. they'll make danger, they'll sell you dangerous toys that they haven't vetted because it makes more money, which is yeah. And a I good think take. another part of the point too is that it's like it's a silly and you know, in addition to being dangerous, it's like a really silly thing to have uh, be part of you know be part of the toy. It's not even you know. <laughs> Something that right. like, what would a kid want? You know, a buzzsaw for besides, <laughs> I guess, destroying things. Right. And I, I think I'm going to bring it up here too. Like, this was not one of my favorite Veggie Tales mm. because Buzzsaw Louie, which is the name of the toy, is a. It looks like a person. It it look it looks like a human person. Oh yeah. And but it's so it it hits that uncanny valley for me oh, and it freaks yeah. me out. It's like five I've, nights I've, at Freddy's looking eyeballs and stuff yeah. like that. Like really. See, I always I always found him appealing because you know for he was the, he's the only bipedal that's in the whole <laughs> setting. So he, you know as a uh, young man, I would have identified the most with him because he was the only one that actually looked like me. Huh. Man, y'all bringing up so many good points. <laughs> I, I like this stuff was all just kind of by me whenever I was watching it. But 
Yeah, but they're yeah. like, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're not going to be happy. The, the only thing that can make you happy is Buzzsaw Louie, right? Like, Nezzer's saying this on the TV. And the, the kids are just like, you know, losing their minds and stuff because they have to have this toy. It's like, it was like the whole Tickle Me Elmo craze from back then. Uh, also, if you press its nose, it'll give you a message like, buy more toys. And... <laughs> right. Like, they were really ham-fisted. when you get stuff. Yeah, they you were... You need more toys. Yeah, we need to put that clip in there for sure. That's great. The message, though, is really ham-fisted at this point. They've really driven home that, you know, consumerism is bad. Like, companies yep. want you to be consumerist, and that's not cool. So it's it's really interesting to see... How far off like, the tracks it gets from here, you know? <laughs> yeah, and we were we were talking about this on our uh, Discord recently about how you know commercials are so adept because we were talking about the algorithms and how you know those have been one of the greatest corrupting factors in social media, and how they are you know solely the responsibility of capitalism because that's the only reason that they exist is right. to you know direct people towards places where they you know they they can go spend their money. And we were talking about how the algorithms in advertising are like mind control. And this, you know, the, the toy that saved Christmas, a, you know, Christian CGI movie, is saying the exact same thing. It's saying that, you know, hey, the, the advertising is controlling, right, right. you know, the minds of these kids and making them act, act strangely in how they wouldn't normally act. You know, be little brats and beg, and it's also that a uh, capitalist in a factory on a hill can go and make some more money. Right. Yeah, and I mean, they, yeah, Mr. Nezzer decides that he's going to, like, you know, go enact this whole evil plan thing, and it's, you know, the only way that we can get these parents to stop screaming is to buy them this toy, so they placate them or whatever. Which the is, kids. What's that? The the the, get the kids to stop uh, oh. crying. Yeah, did I say parents? <laughs> yeah, you said the parents. The, the parents are now crying because the kids are crying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, the only way to get them to stop is to buy them this toy, which is interesting because... You know, that's exactly what toy, actual toy companies do. Like, that's the whole oh, yeah. idea. They generate hype so that the children will, like, beg for these toys and to, like, an annoying degree. They wire it directly. They bypass the parents' psychological manipulation, plug straight into the children, and let them do the work. It's very, very exploitative. Like, yep. Instead of sending a uh, metal self-constructing Christmas tree that you know, catches a TV signal to a house, which I think is what that tree was. Instead, what they do now is they'll send, you know, their toys to a YouTube influencer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the kid will see a brightly colored picture on kids' YouTube, open that up and see the toy get unboxed, and then the algorithm will send them to more and more right. toys. I, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here on this, but I think it's very relevant. We just recently had that whole discussion in Discord about Roblox and how you know, it's sort of as a psycho a method of psychological manipulation for kids. And most of the content is actually created by kids. So this is a pretty harrowing thing for me because my kids spend a lot of time on Roblox. I've personally given money to Roblox from like buying them Robux in the game as like microtransaction fodder. I'm not proud of it, but it's also kinda like there's any a number of things that are like pay to win mechanics like this. It just so happens that this was at an extra level of like manipulation for the kids. Roblox is like cracked children. I don't know if I can really encapsulate how dire of a of a situation that is because of like the addiction factor alone. Like my kids well, spend a lot of time on Roblox, you know? A comparison for people more our age and I hate to say this because <laughs> I I do love it. Gotta catch them all. Mm. Yeah. Gotta catch them all. Pokemon. <laughs> They have a they have a, like a like a uh, keep you on the hook mechanic and like there's always a new like fresh batch coming down the pike to keep you hooked it, in and all that stuff like yeah and Pokemon has gone really downhill with the recent one that they've done and mm -hmm. I still want to buy them because I want to see the new Pokemon right and I I'm I'm a grown ass adult right mostly it, and <laughs> <laughs> well it the interesting thing is that it's 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 amazing just how deeply they can tap into that that release, that dopamine release, you know, that you get out of pursuing the next, you know, whatever, the goal or the, you know. It, and it's well, weird that Roblox does this with pay-to-win mechanics that are created, mm -hmm. developed by other children. Like, it's it's a pretty intense 
meat grinder of exploitation, if you really think about it, top to bottom. And they really should be held accountable. And that Play More Games thing, which we'll probably link in the description now that I've spent ten minutes talking about it, <laughs> does a really good ex expose on the whole, <laughs> you know, top down of it, you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, how about that it's toy factory? Man? Huh? Our um, our first tangent. <laughs> we need a tangent counter. Oh my god! Okay, so I know what to get into now because the uh, you know Mr. Nether he says you know if we got money to make that's what Christmas is all about, which he's not terribly wrong. Right. <laughs> but the um, baby onion says to Grandpa Onion that uh that's not what christmas is all about and uh we get the uh well he was confused line again because they i do notice that and it's kind of a positive thing for a christian mm -hmm. show but they don't have anybody being intrinsically evil which is important if mm -hmm. messages yeah. anybody whose sins can be saved mm -hmm. i don't know that it's necessarily useful when you know in reality not everybody who sins can be saved but yeah uh I do think, though, it's important to remember, though, that all of it is a byproduct of the system. I think uh, the CJ video that Jack and Soren went over talked about it a lot. You know, like Bezos is a symptom of right. all of all of the symptom of the system itself. You know, right. so yeah, like, that was, we that... need to stop it. We need to stop the system and stop these things. But we need to remember that it's going to keep happening no matter what until the system itself is dealt with. Right. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that, you know, they keep going back to this whole, well, he was confused. He was really confused. He didn't know what he was doing. And so there's, like, this weird sort of apologia for these people that they know good and well are oppressing them, right? Like, like they know, mm -hmm. they've called out here that, like, this person is making toys and manipulating children and all this stuff. And they're like, oh... He's just confused. He doesn't really know what Christmas is really about. And it's like this dude that wields unimaginable power, like to sway children and all this stuff, and like that's how they approach it. Like very, very uh, relatable to the way that we are with today's oppressors, you know. Yeah, they don't really go as hard on the guys as they should for the amount of damage that they're doing because he's, you know, indoctrinating and like conditioning children it's <laughs> right it's not a good thing it's a pretty heinous like crime really and they're like oh don't worry about him he's just confused you know then they yeah. they get this whole there's got to be more to christmas and then he's looking at the outside at the star off in the distance and it's like uh, okay. yeah so what we what we get into next is the you know the, they're they're testing the toys on the assembly line and uh by you know pushing their noses and seeing what they say and one of the toys is uncomfortable is what they're saying because it sounds uh you know overly materialistic and like it's missing the point and what we get next is a great example of an i want song grumpy kids greedy dreams this is not what christmas I'm just a toy, I don't claim to be a genius, but there must be more to Christmas. There must be more to Christmas, I think we're really missing something, must be more to Christmas. But what? Yeah, which so, is a uh, oh. element of classic element of musicals. Yeah, this is absolutely an I want song. When the song that huh. he's singing is the the toy song or Yep, the the song that the toy sings. Yep. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. yeah. Like... So with an uh, with an I want song, it's basically and it, they're really common in, you know, musical theater movies. Uh, the Disney Renaissance films that were coming out at the same time. And it's, you know, a character who's singing about how they're unsatisfied with their current life and what they're searching for. And it is a terrific way to launch into a hero's journey. Mm. Uh, and when you think about it, that's almost what he does then, is he, you know, tries to escape from, you know, the, the life that he's in. And he breaks out of the toy factory and then winds up uh, 
getting caught in the snowball and rolling down a hill and crashing. Uh, and yeah, that's when we get into the uh, silly song at that point. Yeah, so every VeggieTales cuts in the middle, like how a lot, of, a lot of shows used to do, like a commercial break cut or whatever. They do an intermission where they have like a silly song with Larry, and it's like, this one was, is really weird. I liked the song, like musically. I thought that, again, like the music was good. But it was also like this weird like Viking that wanted to take away this guy's cookie. I, it was so weird, man. I couldn't follow it. Right, like, so I was... what it's about is it's about sharing. Mm-hmm. And it is actually, I think, a reasonably good depiction that the song is of uh, what like leftist Christian values would be. Okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't really follow it. It was so off the rails to me. I, I couldn't get really it. like glean the message, I yeah. don't think. So how it, oh, uh, that's it, good. Yeah, so he's got three cookies there, and he's holding those cookies aside for Santa, because Santa's going to come and give him presents, and he wants to share his cookies with Santa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's visited by, you know, random passerbys coming to their house. Now, mm-hmm. that's a pretty common element of, you know, uh, religious uh, Christian stories is, you know, the stranger comes to your house and how do you react to mm-hmm. that? Right. And so he has a burglar come to his house first. The burglar's like, oh, I've come to steal your stuff. And Larry does not fight him. He doesn't judge him. He says, well, I don't have anything, you know, worth stealing, but I've got these three cookies here. Why don't you have a cookie? Because uh-huh. you need a cookie. So he gives the, the burglar a cookie. And then this Viking shows up, and you know, the Vikings come to rob and pillage, and he's like, well, I don't have anything you can pillage, I don't have any fields you can burn, but I've got two cookies, I'm trying to save one for Santa, you can have the other cookie. Which means at that point, he's giving up on having a cookie for himself. Right, right, uh, right. Could that be Santa? Could that be him? Could it be the one who brings presents for a cucumber like me? A good cucumber like me? is greeted now by an agent of the Internal Revenue Service. Who are you? I'm from the IRS, and I've come to attack your... And then the IRS guy shows up, and they shut the door on him, which is, you know, uh, nobody likes the IRS joke. Very (laughs) popular then and now. And, you know, also kind of gets into the double meaning of how, you know, churches don't have to pay taxes. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think that. Yeah, there's be... there's a lot we can dig the, into it, that whole shutting dig. the door on the IRS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then after that, Santa comes down, and Santa sees that you know the the robber and the Viking are there, and that they both have things that they've stolen from Santa, and so Santa you know chases them out and to get his stuff back from them, you know, saying that you've been naughty, I've got a list, and I think that. And I'm probably reading too much into it at this point. I'm almost sure I'm reading too much into it in this point here. But maybe Santa's kind of a stand-in for God there because Mm. he's coming to judge the sinners. So Larry, (laughs) as a Christian, has to treat them well. But when God shows up, he doesn't care. And he's no. got to go judge them and go, and he knows, he sees everything, he's got a list. Dude, I think that you hit the I think that's right spot on. on. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I don't think you're reading too much into it at all. No, just... I, I think it's actually pretty normal for, especially Christian-leaning media in Christmas time, to kind of give Santa almost a godlike role. Oh, for sure. And if you think about it, it could it's a type of indoctrination to get kids used to the Oof. judgment of the Come lord on. and all that you got to be nice mm. or um you, get a you won't get, you won't yeah you won't get the good stuff you got to be nice mm. for santa and he knows he always knows man y'all are blowing my mind right now dude <laughs> i mean but it, it really is true dude like the whole getting you right get, like just getting kids attuned to the idea of supernatural stuff like there's a man that flies around and comes down the chimney like, there's a man in the sky that judges everything that you do and will send you to heaven. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, there's some parallels here that kind of soften you up for the harder stuff later, you know? Santa Claus is a really good way to get kids on board with a big fat man that can judge your fate. <laughs> Which sucks, because, I don't know. I, I would prefer it to stay fun. 
but it's not now, and that stinks. Disclaimer. I've got Elf on the shelf. Yeah, Elf. Oh, yeah. Doc, no. The elf on the no. shelf is Jesus, and I... Santa is God. I... <laughs> and the Jingle Bells are the Holy Trinity. I don't know, dude. No, that's the tree, because it's a triangle. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. But I, I hate Elf on the Shelf. Fuck that thing. <laughs> No, but but honestly though, I I know we're on tangent too. Where's the counter at? <laughs> but 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 honestly, there is some parallel to, you know, <laughs> not necessarily the God Jesus Santa Elf on the Shelf Trinity. But, but <laughs> Jesus man, we gotta stop doing Veggie Tales. <laughs> but. But there is some parallel to the idea of, like, attuning your kids to the supernatural. Like, that whole idea of, like, Christmas wonder and Christmas magic ties very much into the religious acceptance of the supernatural. The really, the miracles. The miracle of Christmas. They even tie them in explicitly sometimes. And uh, so with that, we see what they're talking about with the the true meaning of Christmas. So what do we find out according to VeggieTales, what the true meaning of Christmas well, is? Well, you know, what's interesting is that the silly song with Larry actually gets to the true meaning of Christmas, which is giving to people. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Giving away yeah. something, even if it's the like the last one that you have, you know, giving away something. And that's like a it's, staple message of Christianity, too. I don't want to yeah. sit here and throw every single element of it at, at, at the bus, like under the bus. Because... Well, I think we should throw every uh, evangelical part of it under the bus. Yeah, I I agree. But I, I will give some quarter to some of the messages in the New Testament that what they call the red letter gospel uh, is what they used to call it when I was growing up, which is basically you preach out of the things that are marked as the words of Jesus, right? So if you read that stuff, there's some pretty based content in the New Testament. Those four books, if you just read the red letters, it's pretty based. And I think it's appropriate that the letters are read, <laughs> to be honest, because there, there's a lot of, I like, mean, there's a lot of redistrib- there, redistributing yeah. the wealth. I there mean, is, there's man. a lot of that. They like to ignore that. Dude, we need to, like, start a movement about the red letters being the red letters, you know? <laughs> but I, I mean, That might already be a thing. It may, it may already be a thing. But they people say this. Jesus, you, you hear liberals a lot of times say Jesus was a socialist, and they talk about you know those things but it but it really is kind of true jesus was about redistribution of wealth jesus was about free health care and alms for the poor and lifting everyone up by looking to the lowest like that was and that overturning is, the tables of the grifters exactly like those were actual biblical precedents and for some reason that sort of stuff just ends up being a happy byproduct whenever you get into christian indoctrination and veggie tales and whatnot whatnot the main thing, the main course here is the subservience, the authoritarianism, the the church structure, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the messages of Jesus just happens to be a, a a happy byproduct if we happen to get all this other stuff uh, figured out first. If there's time later, then maybe we can give to the poor. You know, it's never really the main focus of the actual dogma of the actual way of life. And and I think that's probably what frustrates me so much about this content is because I know that this is the message they're trying to send to children, you know. So back to the show. <laughs> we we we're, uh, they need that they're coming down the hill uh, on a sled or something. Toboggan. Toboggan, yeah. There's lose a bridge. Control. Yeah, lose out. It breaks. They're headed home to find Grandpa George, who might know the meaning of Christmas. They, they uh, so what happens in the in the middle there is they, they you know they crash at where the bridge to like Bugsleyville is out, and Bob the uh, tomato or yeah Bob the tomato's got a line in there that I really love that I've always loved that it's just every like parent who gets injured playing with their kid basically, and it's uh, Bob Bob are you okay? Mouse trap huh? I wanted to play mouse trap. You roll your dice, you move your mice. Nobody gets hurt. As they're looking around there, they see uh, the toy, and it's like, oh, it's a Buzzsaw Louie. You know, it's like, hey, here's this uh, Pikachu plush that fell off the back of the truck. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming at you hard with the Pokemon, man. (laughs) 
feel attacked. Relentless. Relentless. <laughs> I was just it's... trying to think of like a popular oh, no, toy you're I could right. put in there. You're and right. we've talked about Pikachu recently, so that was the easiest one to get to. So so it falls off of the truck, quote unquote, and yeah. so now they're in possession of this new hotness, and right? They're like, oh sweet, we've got you know our Buzzsaw Louie now, and then they go and push his nose, and then he you know he says the the commercialist message that's been programmed into him. You know he repeats the message that's been pr- literally programmed into him by the evil capitalist. Push his nose, push his nose. Okay. You need more toys. Now that's the true meaning of Christmas. No, it isn't. Who said that? And uh, the kids are all like, oh, yeah, we love it. That's, that's, yeah, absolutely. Christmas is when we get stuff. Right. And one of them says, I think uh, Larry says, that's the true meaning of Christmas. And then the toy says, no, it's not. And they have their discussion and then decide they've got to find out what the true meaning is. Old Grandpa Onion, the postman, is uh, apparently pretty wise, or so they think, so they go and ask him about it. And then, you know, once they... Uh, corner the old guy the old retired guy in his house uh, they get to find out from him his uh, crazy religious conspiracy theories <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because this experience that unfolds in the show tracks so hard with any kid that's grown up in christianity you're like you know uh you start asking your parents questions and they're like well i don't really know about that let's Let's go talk to your pastor, you know, let's talk to your grandpa, whatever. And then you end it, it, it always seems like you end up talking to somebody who's been like a counselor or some sort of sage in this stuff for decades. And they're just like sitting there, somehow it's always like in a room with a desk, like, and it's just you and him. <laughs> and he's like telling you about all the. The deep levels, you know what I mean? And then of Christianity. there were angels, and the angels appeared, and then the angels talked to the shepherds. And this all right. happened 2,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it never fails. Athena, I gotta ask, did your experience track with that? Like, did you get no. the talk from the old person and the, the old sage and the... Man. No, I, I got... I, I learned everything from Veggie. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're lucky. <laughs> I know I was. That's why I got confused when I got older and I started trying to do all the things like, oh, let's help people. And they're like, no, you're not supposed to help people. Yeah, like, yeah. You didn't get the talk in the back office of the church? They didn't tell you no. you're really not supposed to help people. No. No, it's kind of like, it's weird, man. Like, I, I remember going through, well, this is more of an idea when we say this, you know, sort of thing. Like, like, because I would say stuff like that. Like, I would be like, well, Jesus wanted to give the poor. Well, Why doesn't people actually do that? And he's like, well, he meant... At that time, you know, in that time in history, then, you know, people didn't have it like they have now, where there's all. Yeah, this I didn't. Like, I didn't get any of that either. I, oh, I, I will say the closest yeah. thing I got. To, my parents might have actually been onto this kind of stuff because the closest thing that happened was my parents had me go to a Christian pre-K, and okay. they told us that Halloween was the devil's birthday. I got that. And Whoa, if you celebrated <laughs> this. You were a bad person. And so I went yeah. to my parents and I was bawling because we had been celebrating the devil's birthday by trick-or-treating. Oh, man. And uh, I, suddenly I wasn't going to that school anymore. Oh, man. That's wild, dude. So, that never happened to me. No, no, that's... No, <laughs> see, where my, my experience differs in that that's what my parents told me. Every Halloween, we turned all the lights off and huddled in terror because there were people oh, running God. around in masks who were under the control of demons who would do damage to your house and attack oh, you uh, in service to, like, their satanic masters. That oh, was see, my Halloween experience. My mom had to spent years trying to coax me into trick-or-treating because we would go to the church, little things that they mm. would do, which yeah. wasn't bad. Like, they had little fun games, and you got a... Noah's Ark party. Um, that was all I got. Oh, tons man. of candy when where I was from. So, but like she finally coaxed me one year because we missed it. It's like here, don't you want to try it? So my mom was helping me dance with the devil, I guess. <laughs> oh man, I, I can bless my mom. <laughs> I, I remember like go, you know going to church camp and stuff. Like it's like I, I feel like I was always at a church camp, and there was always some old wise counselor who was like having a talk with me about. The way things are in the religion and stuff, because I was always asking questions, you know, like it, yeah, like it, I'd have you know theological questions, but they were never like, you know, why don't we help out poor people? They'd be things like, you know, why did like 
why did, if God's all-powerful and he created the universe, why didn't he just change the rules that required him yeah, to, right. like, get animal sacrifices for however many hundreds of years and then replace those animal sacrifices with the sacrifice <laughs> of his son yeah. that supposedly was, like, super important to him. If he's got all of this power, why doesn't he just prevent it? On top of that, if Jesus is God, then why doesn't, uh, you know, then he would know that he's only going to be dead for three days. It's only going to be a brief period of time, and then he's going to go straight to heaven for the rest of eternity anyway, like he's always been there. So really, he's not actually losing anything. He's having, what, three days of crappy times? <laughs> Lots of people go through more times than that in their life. And yeah. I would ask questions of, like that right. of uh, my religious See, leaders and never get a satisfactory yeah, answer. Of course. You know what? I, I think I know what it is. I didn't ask a lot of questions. I would do like my own quote-unquote research reading the Bible and stuff because mm. I learned very early on not to ask questions, yeah. but to just look things up on my own. And actually, I would ask any question I would ask, biblical or whatever, it'd be like, well, go look it up. So I just right. stopped asking questions of my elders and just did it on my own. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's wild because... That would be this kind of my experience too, Nova. What you described, because like, not to that extent, but you know, I would say something. Why don't we really help out the poor? Because I would never actually see us doing it. And they'd be like, "Well, we do help out the poor. You know, we have a we have a missionary in uh, Mexico right now, trying to spread the good word. They're helping the poor. You know, and I and like, uh, okay, you know, and I like, I always bought. I bought it, man. I bought it every time. You know, that's the difference between me now, I guess, but. I always bought it. And it, and I was like, yeah, those people are really down there saving souls. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know, man. So, you know, I guess to tie it back into where we're at in the show, you know, it's not a straight answer. And I think that's what's great about VeggieTales is that they, they're trying to make it into a straight answer for a really, really broad range audience. And so to do that, they've got to be as vague as they possibly can while still encapsulating the general gist of Christianity into it, you know? Yeah, so this bit here where he, you know, goes through and expounds upon, you know, his religious views on Christmas, it's so infuriating, and I think it's infuriating to all three of us, uh, and I know it's, you know, called out in my notes in the Fiendus notes, about how, where it says Christmas isn't about getting, it's about giving. Christmas isn't about getting, it's about giving. That is a perfect perfect point that's yeah. all you need you stop digging you struck gold yeah exactly. and then they have to tack onto that and also the reason for the season is jesus <laughs> right mm -hmm. and it's especially about a little baby named jesus who was the greatest gift of all yeah i mean and that's the thing like it it it, it always was more about that like it became more focused on the virgin birth more of a, on the miracle of you know, the, the focus and when I was growing up was always, always on the miracle of the virgin birth. That was it. Like, every aspect of Christmas was, like, really was secondary. The giving, the alms, the good tiding, the peace on earth, all of that stuff was secondary to the fact that some lady that didn't have sex had a baby. <laughs> like, if you think about it, that's really was what the entire, the entire liturgy was focused on that more than above all. Well, because that's what... Like, the thing is, they had to try and find... Christianity had to try and find things, because, like we were saying earlier, it's marketing, and, you know, it is a competitive business, and they had to try and find ways to, like, hit familiar notes with their audience that they're marketing to, and also to, like, try and set themselves apart. And so I think that's where... Like the virgin birth, that's, you know, a common early religious thing. You know, having angels announce that he was coming, that was also, you know, a big deal. And then when they get into the ideas like, you know, God's all-seeing and all-knowing, that was actually a pretty rare thing for any deity back then. Uh, because a lot of, you know, the deities in that area, you know, Greek, Roman, Semitic, Egyptian, they were not all-seeing and they were not all-powerful. They had specific things that they were good at, and, you know, they were kind of in charge of those things. Uh, they had, a lot of them had flaws, mm -hmm. you know, they had 
bad character traits. Right. Uh, they were jealous. They were petty. They were unknowable. You know, that right. mortal lives were, you know, toys to them. It honestly uh, made a lot more sense because they were honest in their capriciousness, right? Like, yeah. Like, they, there was no there was no pretense of them all being, you know, a super benevolent thing all the time. They were like, oh, that old, that old Hermes, you know, yeah. sometimes he's a cut-up. He might drop somebody in a fire every once in a while, but hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then you have Zeus, who was a fucking rapist, so. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. notwithstanding, yeah. my point is that the gods, or I don't want to steal Nova's thunder here, but that the gods had these divine powers, but they also had these divine flaws that made them, like, actually bad in some yeah. ways, too. So, you know, early Christianity and its, you know, goal of setting itself apart from those religions, from what all the other religions had, they had to be like, okay, well, you know, you've got all these gods that are just like people but powerful. And, you know, that's not super impressive. What's impressive is we've got a god who's all powerful and all knowing and he's everywhere at once. He's all mm. around you. You can never escape his gaze and right. he can do absolutely everything. It's and what it feels like to me is it feels like, you know, when you're kids and you're like, oh, my dad could beat up your dad. Well, my dad could beat up your dad. My dad's in charge <laughs> is, of this. Man. My dad's in charge of this. <laughs> even the music. You know, like, it's even just Christmas, it's Christian endless music is still to this. Chip. It is. And, like, Christian music is still like that to this day. Like, like if you oh, listen yeah. to the lyrics and stuff, they're like, my God's better than any God you can Our God imagine. is an awesome God. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's weird. Like, it's still, like, drawing this comparison. Like, who's out here inventing gods nowadays that's like, right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, my, my, the one that I believe in is superior to the one you believe in. Like, it's weird, man. It's really weird. It, freak, it creeps me out. So, the, the veggies in the show try to get this message across somehow by using some equipment and doing a, a wild harebrained scheme. Athena, do you want to bring us up to speed on that whole element? Yeah, so once they get the true meaning of Christmas from Grandpa George, the the onion, they run back to the village and they're like, oh no, it's gotten worse, and what are we going to do? Christmas is going to be ruined, and we only got so long, we can't go around spreading the message everywhere, and Junior, the asparagus, realizes like, oh, well, a commercial got us into this, so a commercial will get us out, which I wish it was that easy in real life, but it's not. So they Iron run. logic. Yeah, so they go to the recording studio where Nezer did the toy commercial and shoot a commercial for the meaning of Christmas. Brought to you by the Partnership for a Better World and the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they did it, man. They did those commercials back in the day. They still do them. They still run them. That's kind of funny, man. But can you imagine somebody, these guys, like, going rogue? <laughs> like, they, they actually broke into a TV studio. They're like, quick, we got to get this thing out now. The, the Mormons are just like... the world the truth. <laughs> right. They're, like, holding them outside. They've got the doors barred. People are just, like, banging on the door. That chintzy, like, commercial you see on Christmas Eve about the reason for the season was, like, shot under duress. Oh, I'm picturing, like, I think, was it Network where, like, the, the revolutionaries burst into the studio and, like, take everyone hostage or something? <laughs> It's like it's like a Die Hard thing, which is a Christmas yep. movie, by the way. But they're all held hostage, like up on the top floor, <laughs> shooting this commercial. <laughs> I don't know why this visual is killing me so much right now. I'm just picturing Larry holding it like an AK-47 himself. Oh man, Larry Nobody goes hard. Moves. <laughs> oh man, so. So they go to shoot a commercial. They've got hijacked equipment here. They're trying to get themselves out of it. Yeah, so they they do get it the the message out, quote unquote, and then Nezer busts in and takes them hostage hostage because he's <laughs> ruining their the it's like, no, they're not gonna buy our toys. He's just a little confused. That's why the you know, the, the capitalist who brainwashes children to buy his product uh, is taking these kids hostage. <laughs> he's just a little confused, don't worry guys. That's all right. No matter what you've done, Jesus will forgive you. Oh my God! So, so go he, ahead and just eat the kids. <laughs> so he, so, he goes on like this evil rant, and then he uh, there's uh, there's this bridge that's been coming back from the time they came down to the toboggan. They were like, there's this like highlight on this bridge that was out, right? Chekhov's bridge. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Plus, then it's the Bumsleyville. The bridge is out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like... veg- he ties the kids up to one of the delivery service sleds, and he's about to press the button to send them to the bridge that's out. And he goes on, you know, the monologue, the evil person monologue, and he says, one more question, if they really cared about the true meaning of Christmas, where are they now? And we're right here, and he turns around and all the parents are there, and they're like, Nezer, this is for you! And they give him a gift, and he's like, oh, a gift! What are you gonna do? What? Is that for me? Oh, it's a little bear! Oh, I always wanted a Christmas present, but we were too poor! You don't know how happy this makes me! I've always wanted a gift, we were too poor, which there is something to that. And he's changed because someone showed him kindness. This is the Ratatouille ending, right? Like, spoiler alert for Ratatouille, but this is essentially what happens there, right? Like, the kid, this guy that's like this evil man who, who you know, he's gonna just be... That's a, a bit different than Ratatouille. He was just a food critic. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, he's not going around killing people. Forget when the French food critic had tied three children up to his sled and shot them down towards a canyon. <laughs> My boy... My point being is that they they tap into his emotions and made him see the other side. Like, come on, guys. Hon, hon, hon. So, no, he, that, that was what they did, though. He said, I always wanted a present, but we were too poor. And it taps into that emotional, that feeling of nostalgia that we see so much in Christmas yeah. media. And this is what makes him see the true meaning of Christmas, right? Like... Yeah, I, it's, I, about, it's not about getting, it's about giving. I do want to point out that a lot of media, even when they point it out, really glosses over the fact that Christmas is a very rich person holiday, or mm. a well-off person holiday. Mm. Yep. And let's, let's hear more about that. Well, yeah, because, like, um, let's take the Polar Express, for example. There's this kid who rides it, who, and I guess spoilers for the Polar Express, um... <laughs> You know, Billy, he obviously comes from a poor family, and when he gets a present, he doesn't want to give it up because he he has never gotten one. Which is always interesting to me, because if Santa exists, then why didn't he give a present to Billy until now? But besides that... Why does Santa only send toys to the rich kids? Yeah, exactly. Right, and that's the thing, too, right? Like, it's also a type of apathy in a way because it's like you don't need to give you you rich kids or Mm. well off because it's not just rich kids well off kids if you're doing well santa will take care of the poor kids you don't need Mm -hmm. to worry about them Mm -hmm. you know like it's kind of like setting in a type of apathy um now if you're a good parent then you're probably going to work against that a little bit and probably try and wake up your kids a little bit but it's still just something that's kind of baked into everything something that i think is interesting about is that like okay your kids go to school and they know good and well that somebody that they went to school with didn't get any presents and the kids are subconsciously thinking like oh that kid must have not been as good as me right because they yeah that too presents like the whole narrative of like you're gonna if you be good you'll get a good present if you don't be good you'll get a lump of coal right so you can sort of also inject apathy that way by a little bit of a meritocracy indoctrination to children at that point, you know, because it's like they're believing that, like, oh, if somebody didn't get a present, they must have deserved it, you know, because Santa only brings presents to good little girls and boys. Like, I know it's not so sinister as that. Like, right, this is a natural byproduct of hundreds of years of lore and, like, folklore and capitalist hegemony and everything like that but you know what the end result that you get still very much resembles that does it not right but i think like that's the point of hegemony is that it doesn't have to be intentionally insidious right yeah yeah you got a point that's and that's exactly we 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 debated for a long time when we were reading the intro to the show you know on what we were saying i think the first couple of episodes we did we just kind of said the way that they, the ruling class imparts, whatever. I don't, I don't remember the thing, but <laughs> I say it every time, but I don't remember. But it said something like, you know, 
Nova wanted us to add unco- the way that the ruling class unconsciously and consciously, or consciously and yeah. unconsciously, imparts their worldview. There's, on there's yeah. stuff that's you know direct and open propaganda, and I sure. think that's actually kind of rare compared to the stuff where it's hegemonic propaganda, and it's mm-hmm. just because it reflects things nobody's ever questioned. Right. It's just the persistence of it is what causes the hegemony. Like, not the fact that this is architected and designed to be this way. Like, I don't think anyone was sitting here thinking up inventing Santa as a way to, like, <laughs> teach kids about being right. subservient to religion. I don't think that's what it was. But over time, I would definitely posit that there's been a marriage of the two. So I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm reading a line. I have to read this line, Athena, word from word from your notes, because it cracks me up so much. I do like how the buzzsaw Louis became a carpenter, to each according to their needs, from each according to their ability. I mean, it's true. So so before that, though, uh, you had one that, that made me laugh even more, I think. It was like, <laughs> the toy gets a ride with the penguin and uses his buzzsaw to make the sled go faster, which I don't think that would work. <laughs> it yeah, wouldn't. <laughs> no, it would. So he gets he feels better about himself, Nezer, but he accidentally pushes the button to send the kids down the slope. Well, he's had a change of heart, so he goes after them. Well, a big chase ensues, and it ends up with everyone being saved at the end. And then at the end, everyone's enjoying Christmas time, and it is revealed that the buzzsaw Louie, he was originally going to get his buzzsaw out, mm. but then he realized he could be a carpenter. Mm-hmm. So he's now a carpenter, which is really <laughs> cool to me. I think that's actually... <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you can imagine how like much that resonates with me as someone... Take your natural abilities and be able to use them. Yeah. Also, Jesus was a carpenter, so I'm sure there was a little bit of Yeah, that. I, I did think, think about that. <laughs> I think that's an intentional thing to put in, because it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the more Christian media you grow up on, uh, the more you kind of get, like, your, your antennas perk up to this kind of thing. I do not think it's an accident that the toy that saved Christmas mm-hmm. became a carpenter. Mm-hmm. Even though he was meant to be, like, a spectacle <laughs> that yeah. was put there by you know, ruling leaders or whatever. It's yeah, I, I think there's definitely some definitely some intentional hegemony behind most of this. Obviously it's designed to be essentially religious doc- indoctrination, so of course there's gonna be some intentional. But this one is like wow. And they, they really uh <laughs> they, it, it's very clever. They took a very clever approach and way to do this that it would definitely really resonate with Christian kids, but kids who are not Christians like were probably not totally draw those parallels and they sort of just get the good meaning message from it like it's really really smart the way that they wrote that to appeal to both of those worlds like you said at the top of the show yeah so So, final thoughts like what do y'all think on the this episode at large well as a whole there's something i've been thinking about a lot this christmas and like i love christmas like i've always loved christmas because i mean it's around my birthday which is also today but um <laughs> what happy birthday thank you, <laughs> thank you. how did but we not know i mentioned it last week oh <laughs> it's fine though i hope you um, had a really good birthday yeah today, I, I've, I've, I've had a blast like i said Ever- i got a new weighted blanket it's been great everybody uh tweet at everybody at athena oh god and and wish her a happy birthday today we're recording yep. this on the 15th, by the way, for any of you that are here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> on the 15th. So go but back in time and... <laughs> I've really lost it today, haven't I? <laughs> it's fine. We're recording late. But anyway, so I've just... I've always... Christmas has always been very special to me. It's one of the f- few times that my parents try not to yell at each other a whole lot. Mm. It's, it's just... I like the lights. I like the... It's a tiny bit of culture that we normally don't have in this godforsaken country. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's just something I've always really enjoyed. But right. with all of the... I, I've watched countless Christmas movies and just... There's always this... There's a lot of anti-capitalistic messaging in a lot of Christmas movies. But notice we still live in a capitalistic hellscape because we nod to it, but it we need to do more. Like, we don't do enough to be anti-capitalistic around Christmas. And I think we're going to have to really rethink 
how we do everything. And we might not get much of a choice on how we get to rethink mm. things as the, in the coming years. But my, my point, though, is like, because if, if we want it to keep being a holiday forgiving, then what does that mean? What does it mean to give, but in a way that isn't wrapped around capitalism, in a right. way that isn't wrapped around going to the store and buying something off the shelf because it was sold to us through commercials and whatnot? Like, what what does it mean? And and I'm I'm kind of giving it as an open question because I don't think there's a concrete answer to this, and I also don't think that I would know the answers per se. But it's definitely something I kind of want to propose and get people to start thinking about it. And I also think that it would be a question that would have a lot of different answers and not one of them necessarily being more correct over others, per se. Well, so, uh, something that uh, my wife likes to do for people for Christmas, and this is you know a big deal for her every year, is she will have like a... Uh, she does a lot of crocheting and she'll make a cro uh, crocheted blanket for somebody in our friend group that, you know in some way matches up to them or their personality or uh, earlier this week she was crochet or not week but this year she's been crocheting cloaks for people that they can wear to uh ren fairs uh and then she'll that's also awesome. go yes yeah, and she'll awesome. bake uh, holiday cookies and then she'll get like tins and give people tins of you know her homemade holiday cookies and that's the kind of thing i think we could see you know in a post-capitalist uh, idealist future is you know have christmas be a time where you come up with something thoughtful you know to to obtain or make or you know do for people that you know people that you know that you care about and you know give them that and it's that experience of you know creating something that somebody else will enjoy and giving that to them uh, that I think is where we get the most reward out of uh, winter holiday, out of a uh, secular desacralized winter holiday. <laughs> well, I, you know, Athena, I want to point this directly at you because you've been right about a lot of stuff in the last two years. Uh, so I want to draw attention to the idea that Athena has brought up th so many concerns about COVID that ended up coming true. I mean, we're we're dealing with Omicron variant now, and it was like when we were still talking about whether or not to wear a mask. Like Athena was telling us about how, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make a breeding ground for variants, and it's gonna be a problem. It's been run away. So believe me I when I say, I do have a micro degree. Yeah, right. Believe me when I say though that like I take heed when you start talking about this sort of stuff. When you start making predictions, because I know you don't do it very often. But when you do, I listen very closely. <laughs> so um, what you said about you. <laughs> we, we might not be having a, a choice very soon about how these things are going to shake down, I'm, I'm, my ears are perked up on that because I'm seeing it, man. We've got supply chain issues. We've got problems with climate change. We've got tornadoes blowing down the Amazon factory with people still in them because they're working 3 o'clock in the morning to make Santa's toys. Like... One way that we can be more anti-capitalist at the Christmas season is stop buying shit. I mean, it, it, people buy Christmas presents, that's going to happen. But we need to, like, massively reduce some of the spending that we're doing on Christmas time. Like, some of the sheer consumerism. Buying people gifts just because it's Christmas time, whether you have a personal connection with them or not. You know, or buying your boss a gift. Come on, man. Don't throw in on that yeah, company don't do pool. That. Don't do that shit. He does, they don't need anything else. I say he because he's probably... A white man. Your boss is most likely a white man. He doesn't need any more shit. Don't throw it on the pool. Tell him to take it out of your Christmas bonus if they ask you to do that shit. I, I, I don't I don't buy into that buy your boss a gift shit. Bottom line, we need to stop buying each other stuff and making that the sole focus of Christmas. Like, if we don't turn heel on this thing, like, real quick, we're going to end up in some dire situations. People are already literally dying making toys and, and shipping stuff and candles and whatnot, you know, because of human-made climate change, where do we go from here? You know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm listening to you. I'm loud and clear here. And anything, I just want to direct all of our listeners. Anything that Athena says, I just want to echo that and <laughs> like make sure everyone's paying real close oh, attention. <laughs> my eyes are as big as the L picture I use for my profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. No, I mean it's 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 base takes, and it's I've learned so much from from you know talking to you. You really like do your research and like do a lot of stuff and bring bring us a lot of really good perspectives here that I wouldn't have time to you know digest and understand. So really appreciate that. 
And in the in the spirit of Christmas Nova, I want to tell you too that like I really appreciate you being on this show and bringing your advice to to this and everything. And you know, it's a really great thing. I'm glad we got the three of us back together to do this special again because it's this is really what the true meaning of Christmas is all about, in my opinion. It's about your connections to your family, your connections to your community, and how we're all interacting and giving back to each other to make it stronger together. That's what Christmas means to me. So, you know. I agree. I, I have a little bit of, of trouble buying in to some of this stuff, you know, when it comes to, uh, yeah, I'm in for capitalism bad. Yeah, I'm in for, you know, subservience to a brand or whatever is bad. But, you know, if we're not putting the focus on community and we're not putting the focus on our neighbor, then we too are missing the the point of the true meaning, you know. And with that... Sorry, that's very... I agree. I agree with you completely. I didn't sell that from another podcast. Oh, man. I just, like, laid it out. That's what we do. Oh, man. No. Well, I I, I really appreciate y'all being on the show, and I think that I'll probably cut out that massive bit there before, but been a great show. Uh, I hope that y'all are excited for season four. I think it's going to be super cool. We're thinking about doing like long form dramas on this. So get your popcorn ready. Cause we're going to be watching some long ends. I mean, we're talking breaking bad Yellowstone, maybe do some law and order. Succession. Just, oh, succession. Columbo. God, we, we've oh, been, we might as well throw West wing in there. Well, yeah, might as well. Let's do it. I'd like to compare our take to West oh, wing yeah. thing and see what oh, fucking newsroom. Oh, newsroom. Oh God. Oh man. Oh, we got to do the death of uh, bin Laden episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so we're going to have some great stuff. <laughs> we're going to have some great stuff in, in front of us here. Athena might suffer through the whole thing, but, but hey, I don't I, watch this stuff. I don't watch that stuff. normally. <laughs> I had to do the. I want to I had go back to, do, to the cartoons. I had to do anime a whole season. I had to do a whole season. No, anime, we so did yeah. one episode of anime. Thank you. Well, two. If well, was, I had all. I had. We did animated stuff. I guess I had to do cartoons. <laughs> I had to do a whole season of cartoons. That's fair. <laughs> and and I, I'm thinking, well, you know, whatever. We can share that in the in the crosstalk. But I thank you all so much for listening. We've gained like a pretty impressive amount of support lately. Just. I mean, people popping into the Discord, people sharing stuff, saying that they, they, they appreciate what we're what we're bringing, and we're we're all proud of our listener base, and we're happy that we can continue to do this, and uh, hopefully keep it going for a lot longer. So thank you all for tuning in. Got any ideas for any of the shows for season four? Uh, hit us up on Twitter at HedgePod or HedgePod at Gmail dot com. And with that, we will. Catch you the next time. Wish Athena a happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.